Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you are as glad to be here as we are as glad to have you here um, with us this morning. I want to start us off with a participatory question. Is there anyone here that was able to come to Jesus, that is, find Jesus completely on your own? Didn't have any help, no guide, but all by yourself, you came to know Jesus as your Savior. Anybody like that? Okay, um, because this is supposed to be a participatory, participatory question, let's flip it. How many that would say that um, you've trusted Jesus, you've come to Jesus, but you had somebody else that helped you? There was a guide, somebody that was there to light the way for you. Can I see your hands? I just want you to look around for just a second and just kind of like, like that sink in. If it's possible, would you reach out today? Send a note, send a text, do a call to whoever it was that, or the number of people that it were that were able to help you to be able to come to Jesus and to find that life, to find that relationship, to find all that he has done in your life, just to be able to say, thank you for the part that you played. If you're wondering, like, I'm not quite sure what receiving Jesus actually is. You know, what does it mean to, you know, to come to him? I believe that God would have each of us here for a reason. And today, you may be at the place in which you're just kind of like open to God or just kind of like seeking after God and trying to have some of these pieces come together. And if that's the case, first and foremost, we're just so glad that you're here with us. But I really hope that you walk away this weekend with these two truths that are just like constantly blinking in front of you. The first being just how much God loves you. And the second, that he is pursuing you in love. God isn't passive, like just sitting back and going like, hey, if you wanna come to me, I got a lot to offer, so you can just come on that way. But he is actually in pursuit. He's at work in each and every one of our lives to the point that we can open up, that we can have the life that he wants for us to have. The series that we're continuing in, as Pastor Bill mentioned, is Lighting the Way. It's a spiritual initiative, Light the Way, because Jesus has made this statement to us. He said that you are the light of the world. Now, if we would just take that at face value with what Jesus said, then we'd, we would respond this way. We'd say, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So if that's the case with you, if, you if, you've, if you're a follower of Jesus, would you just say those two phrases with me? Ready? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now, we know that there are all different kinds of lights. And as we see different shapes and different colors, you, you, you look around and you go like, you know, there's a lot of different light that we have. But Jesus' second statement was this. Therefore, let your light so shine, which would mean this. Even though that we are a light of the world, we have the capacity to be light, we can choose not to be. We can be an unlit light, so to speak. And Jesus goes like, no, please don't do that. I want you to be a light. And in part, you are going to be a light to help light the way for others to be able to find God or to find their way back to God or to discover what it was that I so want for them and what I can do for them in their lives. 
From the beginning, Jesus was calling his followers to be that kind of light. His first words to followers as they were um, standing beside the fishing boats and he made this invitation to them and he said, hey, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they knew exactly what it was that he was saying to them. And all throughout his ministry, he would call people and call them up to being lights. Immediately after his resurrection, Jesus spoke these words. He said, just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. You may wonder, like, oh, what was Jesus? What did the Father send him to do? Like, what was this all about? And he was so clear about this. He said, the Son of Man, one of the names of Jesus, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's this proactiveness. And in fact, the very last words that Jesus gave to his followers before he again returned to heaven are these, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be witnesses to me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and throughout the entire world. Jesus wants us to be lights for him. He wants us to be witnesses for him. Now at this point, you might be thinking, Jesus wants me to be a witness for him? Jesus wants me to be like an evangelist? Um, I'm supposed to you know, help other people to find their way to God? And you're feeling like knots in your stomach. Introverts, are, 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 they're, they're like, I'm, I'm pulling in a little bit more right now. Um, there's this cloud of guilt that just kind of rolls in over our heads going like, oh, this is, this is bad. I mean, like, I came to Jesus for life and you're telling me he's given me a job? Like, oh, Jesus' job. <laughs> and if any of those thoughts cross your mind, there is some real unlearning that we need to do. There's baggage that we're carrying with us that we've got to eject just as soon as we possibly can. This is one of the great truths that we'll pull out of this entire teaching series. And it's this, that lighting the way is a source of joy. Lighting the way is actually going to be a blessing to those that will let their lights shine. It's a joy that Jesus said, I want for everyone to be able to have. And if you've ever had the opportunity to help light the way for somebody to be able to find God, to be able to, to come to Jesus, then you know you didn't do it without a smile on your face. Or maybe even there was a tear or two that just kind of rolled down your cheek as you saw that and felt like, like God, I, I was able to actually help a friend that way. Jesus continually experienced this joy. And as I said, he wants it for his followers. I'm not talking about like once or twice in your lifetime, but something that could be a regular experience for us. Let's step into Jesus' life and listen to what he has to say about this joy and what he would want for us as well. We're going to go to Luke chapter 15. So if you happen to have a Bible with you or you can pull this up on your phone, We'll start in verse number one. And it starts out just kind of filling us in like, here's the day in Jesus' life. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. This is a very interesting crowd. A lot of buzz that was in this crowd at this point. But, verse two, 
the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you can think these are the Bible, you know, Bible scholars, these religious leaders. It says the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they muttered. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, just at face value, do you think that muttering and joy go hand in hand together? Not usually. Anybody ever muttered before in here? Like, yeah, there's been times, right? Like, yeah, not the time of great joy that's going on here. And so these people are complaining, they're criticizing what Jesus is doing here. So verse three says, then Jesus told them this parable. He's going to tell them a story. Who's the them? He's talking to the mutterers. So to the mutterers, he says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home and then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. We'll pause there for a second. How many here have ever lost a sheep? Me neither. Like, hard to relate to what he's talking about right here. But some of us may be able to relate to this if you've ever had a beloved family pet. Our most beloved family pet was an Airedale by the name of Reggie. And uh, Reggie, when he was just a puppy, somehow he got out. And as soon as we found out that Reggie got out, my five kids, I mean, they're all in a panic at this point like we've got to find Reggie so we gather everybody out and we're going through the neighborhood and Reggie Reggie you know we're calling for Reggie everybody's looking for Reggie couldn't find Reggie so ultimately it's getting dark I bring the kids back in we've got some woods that are across the street from our house so I'm out in the woods Reggie Reggie I mean there's coyotes out there you're like Reggie Reggie looking for him but we couldn't find Reggie and so we went to bed that night with very heavy hearts. But we got up the next day and we went on the Reggie search again. Neighborhood, Little Woods. I'm walking through cornfields. Reggie, Reggie. We just are trying to find Reggie. I had called the veterinarians. I'd called the Humane Society. Nothing. Day two. Went to bed. Panic in my kids at this point. Day three. Out looking, out searching for Reggie. Looking along the roadside when you're driving along, just you know, praying, like, oh, I hope this isn't going to be where I find him. Call the vets again, call the Maine Society. And that day when I called the Maine Society, I said, well, there's actually a small Airedale that's been brought in here. I'm like, I'll be right there. Went down there, and it was Reggie. So I paid his bail and sprung him. <laughs> I bring Reggie home. I should have brought him over on my shoulders, I know, carrying him in like this. But when I walked in the house, it was like, Reggie, Reggie's here. My kids were dancing in the floor. I mean, there was rejoicing in the house. Now, if you're a cat owner, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> Please send your hate mail to <laughs> Pastor Bill at Fox River Christian... <laughs> Jesus said it's like that. <laughs> Verse eight, 
Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Now probably the closest thing that we could relate to this would be for someone to lose the diamond out of their engagement ring. I mean, you're, you're, you start the day off and you've looked down and you know it's there. But later in the day, when you look down to your great horror, the diamond is gone. But you know it's somewhere in the house because you haven't left the house. So what do you do? You begin looking. You begin retracing all of your steps, right? And if you can't find it, I mean, you've been on your hands and knees. You get the vacuum out. And you're vacuuming all the floors and the rugs. And once you've done that, you take the vacuum cleaner dirt and you dump it on the floor. And you are pawing through the dirt that's on there looking for that diamond. And if you still haven't found it and if you've taken garbage out, you know what you're going to do, right? You go outside. You bring the garbage inside. You dump the garbage out. And you are going through the garbage And if you find it, what do you do? You are on social media faster than you can blink an eye, aren't you? And you are telling this story, and ultimately you're going like, and rejoice, and I found my diamond. And Jesus said, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And if you wonder like, What are the angels so excited about when somebody comes to Jesus? It's because they are reading the room. They've picked up on the joy that's all around them. That is, with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit, and the overwhelming joy that is in their lives. That's what the angels are seeing, and they're like, they're getting in on it as well. Lighting the way is really at the very core of this 2025 vision that we've introduced uh, this month. If you're part of Fox River, here's what we're trying to put in front of ourselves right now. That Fox River is going to shine brightly as a city on a hill. Led by 4,000 active disciples of Jesus. Individual beacons of light. Sharing the transformational message and the life-changing power of Jesus with every family in our community. And as we welcome 2,000 new believers to faith by 2025. Now people are asking, they're like, how could we see you know, 2,000 new believers come to faith by 2025? Like what, you know, how can that be? And a picture, I hope, really is worth 10,000 words. If you've ever flown at night, how many have ever flown at night? Flown, landed at night, okay. So when um, the plane is coming in, the one thing that the pilot is looking for once he's located the airport, you know, they've got that by radar and it's been pinged on there. But with all of that, all the instrumentation that's there at night, this is what the pilot is looking for. And if he sees these runway lights, then things are good. So if we were to change our light analogies to being one of these lights, The runway lights are on, it's a good thing. The pilot goes like, I know where to go and I know how to bring this in. If the pilot doesn't see this, but instead sees this, it's a problem. But you know what? It's not just a problem for the pilot. 
It's for everybody else that's riding with him. If he doesn't have this to light the way, then ultimately there is going to be a big problem because the fuel is going to go out and he doesn't know how to bring the plane home. Each of us, we're not, we're not, the, whole, we're not, we're not the whole shebang, but each of us can be one of these individual lights. In fact, um, in just a moment, I want to talk to you about a tool that's been really helpful. It's been helpful to me. I think it's been helpful to, to many, many of you. It's called BLESS. But it's all about this dynamic that God gives to us. We wouldn't know the dynamic if he wouldn't have told it to us. But the way that a person actually comes to God, it happens something like this. The Apostle Paul is the one who shares this. And he said, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God is the one that is making it grow. Or God is the one bringing life. And it's talking about how a person comes to God. Now, you may not have a green thumb, but you still get it. Right? I mean, you know that if you're going to have something grow, you've got to take the seed, you've got to put it in the ground. And you've got to put some water on it and water it and water it. And if you do, and you don't even know how, but life can come forth, whether it's fruits, vegetables, flowers, or whatever it is that that might be. Each of us, understanding that we have a peace to be able to light the way, we're not responsible for everything. But there's something that we can do. That's how we are lights. So we then ask the question, what is it that we can do? Because sometimes, again, we're just like overwhelmed by this whole idea of evangelism or sharing faith, you know, etc. And that's where bless comes in. It's an acrostic. So we've got these five letters, B-L-E-S-S. Each one of them stands for something. And I'll just kind of take you through it real quickly. If you want to write it down, please feel free to do that. But I think it's memorable enough, which is one of the cool things about bless. I think you'll be able to, you know, to remember all these, and then I'll just check us at the end. So B in bless would stand for begin with prayer. Now, this is what Jesus did when it came to people around him. And each of these steps, again, are just, we're just picking up on what Jesus modeled for us that way. Some people I've prayed for, it seems like it's only been a matter of a few weeks and they're opening themselves up to God. I mean, that's like amazing. But there have been others that I prayed for, like my dad. I prayed for my dad alongside my brother and my, my sister. I prayed for my dad for 45 years. So if you've been praying for somebody for five years now, <laughs> you've been praying for somebody for 20 years now, don't give up. Just keep that watering, doing it is what you can. And you may pray for 30, you may pray for 40, you may pray longer than 45 years and all of a sudden, God just opens up life in that individual. If you ask me now, okay, who is it you pray for? I could tell you my neighbors right now, I got three to five neighbors that I would regularly um, pray for. Wonder, do you know anybody that to the best of your knowledge could use Jesus in their life? If so, that's your blessed list. Now, sometimes we're like, I just don't, I don't think I know anybody that needs Jesus right now. And if that's the case, you could begin with prayer just by saying, God, could you show me somebody? But I don't think we need a miracle like that and answer prayer like that because it may be still right at your fingertips. If I were to 
just ask you to open up your text messages right now. I know some of you already got them opened up right now. But um, if you were to open up your text messages right now and just go back for two weeks and look at the people that you've texted with over the past two weeks, did any of those people need Jesus? You're going like, yeah. Or if you were to open up your contact list on your phone and just start to go through your contacts. See, understand that everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody that Jesus can work through in their life. And it may be on your contact list that you are the somebody that Jesus is going to work through in their life. And so just by going through your contact list and beginning with prayer right there, it may be the beginning to something truly life-giving in their lives. And when we talk about, you know, this decision to receive Jesus, you know, context, right? Because otherwise it could just be a good tool, but the reminder that for a person to open themselves up, when I open myself up to Jesus, I made the most important decision of my entire lifetime. I changed my eternal destiny, and God began working in me just as he promised to do. That's true for all of us that have opened ourselves up to Jesus. That's all we're trying to do is to let somebody else have that wellspring of life given to them. Um, L in BLESS stands for listen. Of all of the lessons that we've learned from BLESS, um, this is the one I hear the most, most back from and just you know the impact it's making on people's lives. One of the things we're learning is this, that it's by using our ears that opens our eyes. Using my ears opens my eyes to what's going on in people's lives. And sometimes using my ears and opening my eyes is what shuts my mouth. You know the hardest thing about listening? And you're thinking like, yes, it's not talking. It's like, I got the answer. Like, like, I'm ready to let them know what they need to know. That may be hard. I mean, it may be really hard for you, but even more difficult, I'll say for me. The hardest thing about listening is it takes time to be able to say hey how you doing and they go like ah i'm doing i'm doing great you go like really and then they just pause and at that moment you got to decide run or listen (laughs) right but if you give time here's what happens when a person feels heard they feel loved when you feel heard you feel loved. So we listen. Then we eat. I love the eat part. B-L-E stands for eat. That's what Jesus was getting like criticized for. I mean, people are like, what the heck are you eating with sinners and publicans for? And you wonder like, what's that all about? Why are they criticizing Jesus for eating and drinking? Because in that day, if you ate, If you drank with somebody, what it meant was that you were like, you know, accepting them as a friend. And here's the lesson that Jesus, you know, just brings right home to us. You can accept somebody without approving of everything that they've got going on in their lives. By by very definition, if Jesus was eating and drinking with sinners, he's going like, I'm accepting you but I'm not approving of all this stuff that's going on. But we've lost that, haven't we? Somehow we were like, we got to agree with everybody, and we, they, we've got to agree with them on everything before we're willing to accept them. 
And we got that just so backwards. We agree on some things, maybe very few things, but I still accept you. And when I sit down and eat with you and I, and I, if I have something to drink with you, you know what happens? All of a sudden there's an environment to listen. <laughs> and when you start listening, when you're eating with somebody, all of a sudden you know what it is you could pray with somebody about. I mean, it's like, it's just so clear. And maybe you will um, after that meal. B-L-E-S, the first S would be serve. Again, the model for this, Jesus. He said, the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom from many. And when Jesus served, means it just helped people, right? Just serving just, I'm helping you in an area that I know you need help. Once again, it communicated love to them. Next week when we do Fall Palooza, again, we're looking forward to you know, just being able to welcome in kids and families and let them know they're loved by God as well. When we do that, I'm hoping that for those of us that don't have somebody that we're bringing, because if you've got friends you're bringing, if you've got you know, kids and family, it's like, that, you know, it's like awesome. But if you don't have anybody right now, would you serve? Would you serve with us? I mean, it's super simple. Grab your phone, scan the QR code. It just says there, you know, follow Palooza, you know, volunteer. Just hit that button. There's gonna be something there that you can do, something there that you probably really enjoy doing. And if you'll just do that for one of the services, what we're gonna do is we're going to bless other people that are coming in. We're gonna bless other families. We're gonna bless people that are, gonna, you know, that are coming for the first time. I mean, people are like, I don't even know, you know that I'm looking for God at this point, but I'm here just for my kids and my family. And we can serve and bless together. Would you do that? Scan the, you know, again, scan the QR code right now. Stop by the lobby afterwards. We'll get you, we'll get you, you know, in that time slot that you could come. The last S is going to be share. Share and story. To share your story is simply to tell somebody else what, what Jesus has done for you. And quite honestly, most of us are intrigued by this. When we hear stories one of another, it's like, God, like that really happened? Sometimes it's like, shut up, like you're kidding me. And other times it's like, that's just like so plain. That's just so vanilla. But from that, God's doing the work that he's doing in your life. That is just so encouraging. All of us can share how we came to Jesus. We can share the story of Jesus. I mean, it's called the gospel. In the very shortest form, it's simply telling another person, Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now, there's way more to Jesus' story, but you can just start with that. We can share an invitation. You ask a person like, hey, will you wanna to come to church with me? A lot of times people are gonna say this, um, I, don't, I really don't go to church. And you can go like, that's great! <laughs> you you, you wanna to come to church with me? No conflicts that way. Because just by bringing them out, you're gonna bring them into an environment that so many people have opened up and found Jesus in their lives together. Here's the thing about bless. I can do that, right? I could begin, I could pray. I mean, I can listen, I, I can eat, I can serve. I mean, I could, I could share, like, I, I can do that. We just wanna take it out to make sure that our light is shining. Quick review, all right, I wanna take you through it. Say it out if you know it. The B in blessed stands for what? It is begin with, L is good, E is, first S is, 
The second S is? You got it. Like, and you can do this. Now, if you're like, I'd like to know more about this. On a website, we've done some, you know, some um, message series on it, or there's a group coming up in, in November. Love to have you as part of that. But just take your first step into it. Because the lesson of bless is this. That when we do, we are. When we bless another, we're the one that in return ends up being blessed. Remember the first thing that we said? That when we light the way, it is a source of great joy. That's all bless is doing. It's helping us to light the way and being that source of great joy. So as an action step today, and I've got two. As our action step today, can I ask you, would you be willing to say with me, first thing we've already done, I am a light, but the second part is, and I will shine. If you're a follower of Jesus, and you know this is what Jesus has for you, would you say that out, out loud with me? Ready? I am a light, and I will, I'm gonna let my light be on. I'm gonna shine for others. The other thing I'm gonna ask you to do is would you prayerfully consider what God would have you to do in giving toward our Light the Way initiative? Three projects that we're, we're striving to accomplish. It's gonna cost us around a million and a half dollars over these next couple of years. The first one, this new campus, well, that just came about since our vision, um, we, we were in the midst of our vision and we were presented with the opportunity to be able to have a multi-million dollar building. All we have to do, I mean, so we're debt free. All we have to do is go in and just do some renovations on it. Uh, the location of the building, you may recognize it. It's uh, just about a, uh, less than a mile um, west of the courthouse, right across from Moreland Medical Center. The thing that really struck us about this it's just how many people are there? Our current Waukesha campus, you can see we've got about 250 families around us. But in this new area, in one mile, a one mile radius, there are over 5,000 households. Think of all the kids that just need a church home. They don't have it. You stretch it out within three miles of the place, we're just shy of 30,000, not people, households that are there. And if you ever wonder like, why do we give for something that's like maybe not directly related to us? I think that really is kind of at the heart of the question. So I just wanna you know, help us with some perspective. Question, and if you're online watching, you can just put this in the chat. How many were a part of Fox River back in 1998? Can I see your hands? You were part of Fox River in 1998. Yeah, there's a couple of us that are here. In 1998, we gave. We gave so that Fox River could be. We had no idea. We didn't even know that you were gonna be here. We didn't even know you then. But we gave so that people could come. Uh, different question. How many would say that you have come to Jesus in the last 25 years? So now going 25 years back, you've received Jesus in the last 25 years. Can I see your hands? Just look at these up over everywhere. No. 
You can put them down. The reason that we gave is for people that didn't know Jesus to know him. Do you know what we're giving now? You know what we're trying to do something like another campus now? It's for those who aren't here yet, but they will be. It's for those who don't know Jesus yet, but they will because of what we're doing. That's why I just ask you, would you pray? A couple other projects, big light projects, the outdoor Field of Dreams building. We have served thousands of families through our Upward Sports program. It's one of the great community um, outreaches. It's a great just service to our community. And we're gonna be able to do it better with an outdoor building like this. And then the Muskego renovations, definitely another lighthouse for us. We want to be able to keep that shining bright. We wanna keep that runway wide open for what's going on over there right now. And so I'm just asking, would you just pray, God, what would you have me to give? Over and above my regular giving, and we're gonna to come together on November, the weekend of the uh, November 5th and 6th, and just you know, kind of lay up before God, like, I think this is what he would have me to do. The greatest win is when everybody does something. And just, what, God, what would you have me to do? As we go out, we've talked about lighting the way. But for those, the realization has come upon you that there is a love that God has for me. And I'm sensing it here. I'm not like an object. I'm not, like I'm, I'm not a tick, you know, to be, you know, to be marked down. I'm not a, you know, somebody just, they're trying to proselytize. It's like, knowing Jesus is so important. And your realization is that God has been pursuing you. And there's been a lot of things that have led up to this moment, but right now you are ready to come to Jesus, the one who's died on the cross for you. You're one of those sinners. <laughs> They're going, I need a savior. And I need more than that. I need the life that you can bring to me, Jesus. I need the hope, God, that you will bring into my life as well. And if that's the case, in just a moment, I wanna give you the opportunity just to receive Jesus as your personal savior. Would you join me in this prayer? Jesus, the fact that you've called us to be lights, you've entrusted us with this amazing and huge responsibility. Help us not to be overwhelmed by that, but just to do what we can. And we do know, Lord, that we could bless the people in our lives that still need you. And so we're making a commitment to do that. For our friends that now are saying, Jesus, I'm coming to you, asking for what you've accomplished on the cross, that forgiveness of sin, and in your resurrection, the life that you can bring to me now as well as eternally. I wanna ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. And if that's your prayer today, can I ask you, would you just lift a hand wherever you're seated right now? It's saying, I've never trusted Jesus before, but I am willing to do that today. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you again for your saving grace, Jesus. Thank you for what you're beginning in people's lives. And Lord, may you continue that work until they see you face to face. We love you, and we pray each of these things in your name. 
And all God's people said, If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.